Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week, I'm your host, Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. We have a special guest this week, and that's Francesco Leardini. Francesco, Hi, everybody. do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Let everybody know who you are and why you're famous. Yeah, sure. I'm Francesco Leardini, and I work as a full-stack engineer at uh, Trivadis, uh, now became part of uh, Accenture. I work with uh, .NET technologies for the backend part, and uh, in the last year, I really focused a lot on uh, Angular and the front-end side. Awesome. And yeah, we brought you along today to talk about progressive web apps. It looks like you've uh, written quite a few articles on this. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah I, I know it's not necessarily, I guess, completely... Angular focused, but I know a lot of people are trying to do progressive web app type things, focus things, or add elements that they are considered part of progressive web apps to their Angular apps. And so, yeah, we thought, hey, this would be yeah, great. It's a great uh, technology. And uh, actually, I'm really, really a big fan of uh, progressive web apps. And yeah, today we will cover different uh, topics uh, going from some kind of a more generic uh, level to go then to a more deeper and deeper and uh, more technical side. So not only people that uh, are completely new to uh, this topic, but also people that eventually already have uh, some experience with progressive apps will uh, uh, hopefully get uh, new hints about that. Yeah, absolutely. With, uh, yeah. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Just I think with a, a very simple definition, because sometimes people think about, oh, progressive about what is that exactly? Is that a, a new framework or is do I have to learn something completely new? Actually, progressive web apps are simply web applications. So any web developer out there already know kind of 90% of all the technology stack needed to implement progressive web apps. What make uh, these web applications, so what make progressive web apps so special is that uh, we can use uh, some very uh, interesting modern uh, uh, capabilities uh, given by service workers, for example, to not only make uh, our web application more performant, but also increase user engagement. So we turn kind of our plain, let's say like that, plain web application into a kind of native-like website. And this is possible with progressive web apps. So this makes this technology really, really exciting for me. Awesome. Now, yeah, I mean, when when you're talking about progressive web apps, you mentioned uh, service workers. I've seen a whole bunch of other things mentioned as either essentials or things that you can do with progressive web apps. So you've got like push notifications or background sync, offline uh, persistence. For yeah. Example. And 
I mean, do you have to have all that stuff to be a progressive web app or is it mostly? Oh, no. Actually, progressive web app offer a wide range of uh, functionalities, but uh, we don't have to implement them all in order to be able to say or to have a fully fledged uh, progressive web app. We can just uh, decide to go uh, with one or the other functionality. For example, to start with, we can just uh, make our website installable. That could be already a starting point without having any push notification or any uh, offline storage. This is a nice thing because think about we have to go to our website. We have to open uh, Chrome or any kind of browser, go in the URL address, digit the, the address, and so on, and visit it. Or we can install our progressive web app on the target device, usually on the home screen of a mm-hmm. mobile device, but nowadays it's possible also on a desktop machine. And then with just one click, we land on the uh, home page of our web application. <laughs> so really, really simple for our users. And uh, this also has the benefit because uh, compared uh, to native apps, for example, we don't have to go to the app or Play Store, search the app, download, and go through a step that is uh, quite boring and quite uh, yeah also time consuming sometimes for our users right so it sounds almost like you're trying to put native app features into your web app i mean you mentioned you can put it on your home screen you know it does all these other things you also get to the point where you can add some of those other features like the push notification type things that people are used to getting from their apps so is that I mean, is that kind of the goal, is to make it more app-like, or...? In a sense, but it's, it's not exactly. Is that um, it's uh, to increase uh, the user engagement and uh, improve the user experience. Uh, so, for example, instead of having to open Chrome and uh, go to the website, we can just have an icon mm-hmm. that we can define, and uh, this eventually we can see later. It's possible through the definition of the manifest uh, web manifest, we can define some icons, and these will be used uh, as a uh, icon on our device, for example, on the phone. And it will look exactly as a native app. Mm-hmm. This uh, is uh, something, uh, is a, it was always a huge benefit that came from native apps. But now with the progressive apps, we can indeed bring this benefit and this uh, increase the user engagement also to our web applications. But actually, web applications, the goal is not really just uh, to emulate uh, or look like uh, as uh, native apps. In general, is uh, to provide very good uh, performance. This is possible thanks to caching strategies, for example, and also to be user-friendly or very attractive, appealing, let's say like that. Mm -hmm. So not the classical way of assessing web applications. There are a lot of uh, benefits that we can get from progressive web apps that uh, make them really, really a big win in some cases. For example, uh, we don't have multiple versions to maintain. Right. Progressive web app, as we said, is a web application. So we have only one. And this can bring a lot of uh, uh, benefits if you think about. Or in other cases, also the time to market. Uh, it's really, really shorter in case of progressive apps because uh, uh, anybody who had to deal with the native apps know how eventually time consuming might be having to receive uh, the approval from the Play Store or the App Store. Sometimes uh, the, the version has been rejected because uh, not all the ticks were fulfilled. So this can introduce uh, some kind of delays. And if you are in a, ru- in a rush for our time to market or for our deadlines, this could be a problem. 
while with progressive robots, we just deploy to our server and we are good to go. So very, very quick to go live. And also another aspect, this could be also important, for, especially for small teams or where the budget is not uh, big or the resources are not so big, is that the, the, the cost of development for progressive apps is typically smaller than uh, native apps because mm-hmm. we don't need the multiple teams, one uh, specifically for uh, iOS or one for uh, Android. But we can maybe reuse even our uh, web development team to create a side of our maybe company website or our web application, a PWA version of it. And yeah, and this could be very, very convenient when either we don't have a budget or, and we don't have a personal to, to, to do that. So another good thing. Yeah. And then there are many others, but I don't want to tell only the very nice things about PWAs because we have to keep in mind that the native apps are stronger in that sense compared to progressive apps, especially when it comes to performance. Because progressive apps are fast, yes, but they run on a browser. And this aspect eventually means that there might be chances that we we introduce or we have some latency by running on a browser. On the other side, native apps really tightly uh, integrate with uh, the hardware of the phone, for example, where they run. And so they can really better optimize the usage of the operating system and all the APIs or functionality that are provided through the operating system. On the other side, also, we don't have to forget that even though progressive web apps look really like uh, native apps and always more and more, at the end, the progressive web app can do only what the web can do. This means that uh, all the limitations in set of, uh, in terms of functionality that the web, web uh, applications have to face, the same is valid for progressive web apps. However, think about uh, assessing to the contact picker of, uh, of our phone. So the agenda with all the contacts. Mm-hmm. This uh, is not possible, but thanks to the Fugu project from Google, we have a lot of uh, experimental APIs that uh, really are aiming to close this uh, feature gap. And therefore, thanks to the so-called contact picker API, now we can, at the moment, it is an experimental state, so only for Chrome, but it's possible to allow uh, our progressive web app or simply our web application on a mobile device to access the contacts from our device. And this was so far absolutely impossible. However, as you mentioned before, push notification, this is still probably the, the biggest limitation of uh, progressive web apps, especially when we consider iOS devices, mm-hmm. because this could be for some scenarios or for some business kind of a showstopper. In this case, uh, we cannot provide a push notification, so far at least, uh, on iOS devices. We can eventually think about the fallbacks to SMS. Might work in some cases, but might be that is not always uh, possible in all in all scenarios. So this was a, a little set of uh, uh, differences between or advantages that uh, we can have uh, when we implement a progressive app, but we also have to keep in mind that there are some more or less big compromises or still limitations that we have to think about when uh, going for a progressive web app. And the progressive web apps employ what is so-called the progressive enhancement. Indeed, the, the, the P of progressive web apps is just for that. That means that uh, it's a kind of a strategy that uh, emphasizes the web contact first 
And then we try to provide the basic contact and the basic uh, uh, feature set to all our users. And then only for uh, users that have uh, uh, an advanced or more modern browser and capabilities, then we can provide some enhanced version of our web application. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, kind of a gracefully upgrade for the uh, users that can support maybe by using a, a fast uh, internet connection or uh, the latest uh, Chrome or Chromium browser, for example. Right. Yeah. Makes and, sense. Uh, I'm And I, I really dig, like, I use Brave, right? And so I like having the capability of some of these things. Now, I generally don't turn on, like, the push notifications on Brave on every mm -hmm. website I go to that asks me to. But um, a lot of these other features I find um, it, when it's fast or when it gives me a little bit uh, more interactivity, a lot of times, yeah, they're doing a lot of these things on the back end. And so it makes it a better user experience for me, which I think is something that we all care about. Yeah. Also because uh, there are a lot of uh, websites that show it, uh, the... Um, the advantages of uh, using uh, these uh, progressive web apps. One of them is called uh, www.pwastats, just one word, mm -hmm. .com. It's a, a collection of uh, successful stories uh, of uh, websites and companies from different domains, and it shows uh, how the return on investment or the amount uh, of users in terms of uh, time or subscription and so on and so on increased since uh, the company uh, or the specific website introduced the PW version of it. So it's, a, it's interesting to see how different domains and different uh, companies can benefit from that. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very important always uh, to keep in mind that uh, nowadays uh, more and more users will... Uh, access our uh, website or our web application through a mobile device. Not so many uh, so far uh, or still use a desktop, but uh, the trend is the, to go more and more to a, a kind of a mobile first approach or strategy. And because of this, uh, being able to optimize our website or our uh, web application for mobile device might be a, a killer feature for our business. And this is possible indeed, uh, thanks to a uh, service worker, for example, that can implement uh, the some caching strategies. We can think about uh, uh, the case when we want to provide some uh, content, even when the user is offline, for example. This uh, can be very convenient because uh, we can still, uh, even when the user doesn't have uh, a reliable internet connection, we can still provide some content. Or in the easiest uh, scenario, we can provide a customized uh, offline page where so the user still can benefit from some uh, uh, customized content where there are maybe some phone numbers of the, our company or some information about uh, a marketing campaign going on. And all these information are much more useful than the, the dinosaur offline page that uh, everybody would get uh, when uh, assessing any website uh, offline using Chrome, for example. This is uh, this is a very important uh, aspect of uh, progressive web apps because uh, the service worker is uh, together with the web manifest is probably the core of any uh, progressive web app. Mm -hmm. And actually, even though the 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 name or so might be intimidating or say, oh my God, what is a service worker? Actually, it's nothing else than a simple web worker. So it's just a JavaScript file that gets downloaded when we access uh, our progressive web app uh, website. And then 
according to how we uh, implement and define patient strategies and uh, how we implement our service worker, we can make it so that uh, it will uh, start intercepting all the traffic that goes from and to our web application. So it acts uh, kind of as a proxy between the network and our application. And this allows us to create very, very interesting uh, uh, functionalities because uh, we can implement some kind of a caching first strategy and tell the service worker which asset we want to store locally. And then these assets, typically building uh, the so-called app shell, so the minimum uh, amount of uh, um, files, uh, static files or uh, scripts that we want to provide uh, even before uh, service worker is completely installed. So pre-fetching those uh, mm-hmm. assets. And then once this uh, installation step or this pre-fetch uh, installation step is done, the user then can access these uh, assets even when they are offline. Meaning that uh, either we can provide uh, these uh, files immediately because they are already locally stored. We don't even need uh, to go over the network. And because of these, uh, these uh, or other kind of uh, uh, files or resources might be provided immediately and even eventually offline in case that the user doesn't have uh, a connectivity in that case. There are then a lot of other different kind of uh, um, caching strategies we can implement. It depends on which uh, scenario or which uh, um, requirement do we have. For example, we can think about that we wanted to provide some asset straight from the cache. So we want to provide a very, very fast response. But on the same time, while we uh, intercept the request that matches uh, with these files that are stored on the on the cache, and we provide them locally, mm-hmm. then we can go over the network and see if there is a newer version of them. And if that is the case, then the service worker might replace the older version from the cache or in the cache, so that uh, next time we can provide a still a very fast response because it comes from the cache, but this time with a newer, more up-to-date version of these requested assets. So this is called a stale while revalidate uh, strategy. And then there are other even more exotic ones that uh, maybe can cover kind of uh, edge cases uh, in different situations. Time is of the essence when identifying and resolving issues in your software. And our friends at Raygun are here to help. Their brand new alerting feature is now available for crash reporting and real user monitoring to make sure you're quickly notified of the errors, crashes, and front-end performance issues that matter most to you and your business. Set thresholds for your alert based on an increase in error count, a spike in load time, or new issues introduced in the latest deployment, along with custom filters that give you even greater control. Assign multiple users to ensure the right team members are notified with alerts linked directly to the issue in Raygun, taking you to the root cause faster. Never miss another mission-critical issue in your software again. Try Raygun Alerting today and create a world-class issue resolution workflow that gives you and your customer peace of mind. Visit raygun.com to learn more. Their simple usage plans start from as little as $4 per month with unlimited apps and users. That's raygun.com to start your free 14-day trial. Yeah, um, I, I love all of this because, I mean, ultimately you're, how do I put it, like with the... Uh, stale while revalidate or where you have the service worker go and prefetch the resource or something like that. I mean, I to me, that's kind of like thinking ahead, right? So it's like getting over to the right lane when you're driving so you can eventually make a right turn, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and so you're, you're saving, but in this case, you're saving your uh, user, you know, that 
oh, now I have to wait for the round trip because the round trip's already been made, right, to the server. And so it's exciting to me just from the idea of, hey, this, you know, this is a thing. It, it's there. It's something that we can use. I'm curious, though, as we dive into this, you know, this is an Angular podcast. We're about 20 minutes-ish in. How do you start implementing this stuff in Angular? I mean, are there service worker libraries? Are there are there yeah. service worker libraries that actually implement, hey, you can prefetch here or stale while refresh here or things like that? Yeah, yeah. Angular or Creating or turning an existing Angular project into a fully working uh, progressive web app is extremely easy with Angular. We just have to use the Angular schematic, uh, uh, Angular slash PWA, so mm-hmm. ngadd at Angular PWA, and then the framework does uh, everything for us. What I, what I mean with uh, everything? It uh, downloads and installs for us uh, the uh, service module, service worker module, and that this will be installed in our app module. And it registers our, the physical service worker file for us. So this is actually the, thanks to the register method, we tell the browser where the, the physical service worker file is uh, stored. Mm-hmm. Now, we still have to keep in mind though that uh, at the moment still, the service worker, uh, the Angular service worker file is a kind of a black box for the Angular developer because it will be created in the node module. That means that we don't have to care about that. It will be created, all the events, uh, lifecycle events also implemented. We don't have to care about. But if we want to introduce some uh, very, very specific and custom logic inside the service worker, this at the moment is not possible right away because if we would uh, change this Angular service worker file in the node module, then next time we make a build, all our changes will be wiped out. There are other ways so to, to overcome this kind of, uh, let's say, limitation. But nevertheless, in the 99% of cases, uh, what Angular at the moment uh, offers can really, really be sufficient. And again, just by running this command, we tell or the, the, we allow the framework to download the service worker module, register for it, and then create a web manifest with uh, all the needed of course, some default values that we can customize, but uh, all the needed properties, for example, which is uh, the scope of our service worker, mm-hmm. uh, if uh, the application should be displayed in a standalone or in a full screen mode. Standalone means that uh, when we open our progressive web app, this will uh, not be open inside the Chrome, but it will be open in a completely new uh, page as it would be or tab as it would be a completely independent uh, native app. So mm-hmm. this again, to go back to the concept of increase the user engagement. But, and this is the most important thing, it will create also a Angular service worker configuration file. It's a JSON file where we can define all the files, static and also URL that we want to cache. At the moment, uh, if we wanted to cache uh, assets that are static, so for example, uh, HTML file or images or, or JavaScript files, this typical we can uh, do to, to store these, the files that uh, compose our app shell, then we create this within the asset groups array. And there we can define all these uh, files that we want to prefetch. So while the service worker is installing, the service worker will go read all the files that we specify 
within this asset groups array and then download the from server. We have to keep in mind, though, that we don't want to have too many files there because if the service worker fails in downloading one of them, then the whole installation step will be aborted. And then it will be uh, attempt again next time the user either refresh the page or access the website again. But the cool thing, it doesn't finish there. So these asset groups are created automatically with this command. But if we want to cache also the response of uh, that comes from the server that we can do. And we can do by defining another array property with uh, the name is uh, data groups. In there, we can define which are the, the name of our objects and then which are the URLs that we wanted to target. And there we can specify which caching strategy we want to use. At the moment, Angular allows uh, two different strategies. One is called performance, and the other is called the freshness. Mm-hmm. With the strategy performance is exactly what uh, I already described before, is uh, the equivalent of a cache, uh, cache first, so that uh, we uh, store the response in the cache, and then we try always to provide the, uh, the response if it matches uh, with the requested URL from the cache. And uh, we can define also how many entries we want to keep in the cache and for how long we want to return. On the other side, freshness is uh, going first over the network, and then only if there is a timeout that we can uh, specify, for example, 5 seconds, 10 seconds, only after this uh, timeout occurs, then the service worker will try to to provide the the response from the cache, of course, if available. And this uh, strategy eventually is, uh, we can think about the scenario where we have uh, an application providing, for example, information about the share or stock exchange uh, information. There is crucial to provide always the very latest uh, uh, data about uh, one or the other stock. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, if the user has a very, very slow network connection or either he or she is uh, completely offline, then still we can provide some data that comes from the cache. Of course, this data would be stale. Stale. Therefore, it's always good to provide like a, uh, an information to the user that uh, if uh, if the freshness in this case is critical, that uh, the data they w- they are seeing is not uh, the uh, live one, but comes from a stale version. But still, we can provide data that uh, for the user in that very specific case might be still sufficient. Again, much better than just a plain offline page. So this is the very cool thing with the Angular. With one command, we can turn an existing website into a fully working progressive web app. And uh, the time to do that is really like a matter of maybe one minute or maybe less. Of course, then we can fine tune all the different uh, manifest uh, values or uh, add uh, different uh, URLs that we want to cache. But again, in the majority of cases, uh, this could be already enough. If we want really to be to have a full power of uh, implementing, customizing, and uh, even cover very specific edge case scenarios, then maybe we can think about uh, inside our Angular project to use the Workbox library. Workbox uh, is a framework agnostic set of uh, libraries and node modules. It's a open source project from uh, Google. And these allow us uh, to create uh, a lot of different uh, cache strategies or sync uh, API implementation and so on in a very, very simple way because it provides a, a way of wrapping a lot of complexity thanks to this API. So this could be also another alternative. Very cool. Well, this is all exciting stuff. 
I guess the other thing that I'm wondering about, because a lot of people, like if you're starting a new project, right, you just pull all this stuff from the get go, you put pull in the schematic in the Angular CLI, and you're off to the races. How easy is it to start adding this stuff into your current Angular app? I mean, do you just, can you just pull in the schematic and then just kind of, as you work on stuff, just kind of bolt it in? Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not it's not uh, required. Or uh, even if uh, we have uh, a huge application, or even uh, let's say a running uh, project, uh, we can still uh, use this uh, schematic to inject and add uh, these uh, progressive web functionalities because all these file settings uh, won't clash with uh, what is uh, what is going on with already an existing project. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of step that we can add in a kind of a incremental or additional way to an existing project. Absolutely with no with no problem. That is possible anytime. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then again, as uh, I said before, we don't have to think about that even though Progressive Web allow us uh, to implement uh, or to have many, many functionalities, we, we must have them all. We can start just uh, maybe turning our web application into an installable web application. And then from there on, we can add others. But doesn't mean that we have to have uh, since the day one everything. Right. Of course. So I guess uh, one other thing that I'm wondering about here is, I mean, what I find is that a lot of people will speak about things or write blog posts about things, and then they're doing something really, really interesting with it at work, right? Or on their own personal apps or something like that. So have you implemented this somewhere where you've done some interesting stuff with it? And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what effects you've seen from it. Well, what do you mean, uh, which effects in, in which sense? Like, are you seeing a larger uptick in adoption? Are you seeing... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, uh, I didn't uh, or I never implemented uh, a progressive bot for a client that went then live. It was mainly for personal projects or like uh, use cases uh, where I use internally and uh, didn't go so out or didn't uh, reach uh, the Play Store in that sense mm-hmm. or when and why it's used. But uh, as I said again, for example, we can think about Twitter. Twitter Lite uh, is a progressive web app version of uh, the Twitter native app. Mm-hmm. And there they saw a huge, huge uh, uh, conversion and uh, usage or Pinterest, for example. The uh, progressive web app version of Pinterest uh, show how users really increased the, the time of usage of the application compared to the assets they register on a or through desktop mm-hmm. machines. And again, I would suggest anybody eventually interested that also to access uh, or to visit this uh, pwastats.com. And there, there are really, really a lot of examples that uh, describe uh, a lot of these uh, cases, how uh, different uh, companies benefit from that. Really, really interesting. Yeah, makes sense. Or, for example, this could be another practical case that many people uh, use, the, sometimes maybe not even knowing, but the Starbucks. With uh, their PWA version, we can access uh, and uh, look at the menu even while we are offline. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, we can uh, ship the order. And then, uh, thanks to the Background Sync API, that is, a, is an, an API that is used by the service worker that can detect when we are offline and then suddenly we go online again. Then, uh, we can uh, eventually place an order while we are offline. And then as soon as we are online, this uh, order will be shipped. 
out of the box on the background from us. So this is a uh, API is another thing that works very well uh, with uh, the service worker and progressive web app. The cool thing is that the service worker, and this is the magic behind the push notifications that uh, it can be delivered on a target device even when the user, for example, closed the application. Because a service worker run on a separate uh, uh, context from the main the document, meaning that uh, once uh, the service worker is running, we can receive uh, push notifications or we can uh, receive uh, sync events. Mm-hmm. Even when the user does not have our progressive web app application up and running or even the uh, browser open still, the service worker will run in the background and therefore is capable of listening to incoming progressive uh, push notifications that come eventually in the background. This is a very cool feature. Nice. How do you test all this stuff? Yeah, we can test actually uh, through Chrome DevTools or the DevTools, for example, is a good way to test, uh, for example, uh, push notifications. If uh, we open the uh, on the now I target, for example, the Chrome DevTools. So F12, we can open the DevTools and we go on the application tab. In there, we have uh, different uh, areas. We have uh, the manifest, we have the service worker storage, and give this uh, a set of information about our current progressive web app. Of course, we have to open the DevTools on our, uh, or while visiting our progressive web app. Now, if we open, for example, the service workers, area or section of the application tab. In there, we can, for example, provide a JSON object and test the push notification so that if everything goes well, for example, through these uh, dev tools, we can ship this uh, JSON object that uh, there is a specific uh, payload and so on we have to respect. But then if we implement this uh, push notification API in a correct way, then we will see on our local machine, we will see that uh, this uh, notification is displayed. If we use uh, Angular and uh, we run uh, our progressive web app through an Angular application, we have to keep in mind that we cannot use ng-serve because at the moment it does not work uh, with the service worker. But uh, it's uh, very easy to overcome this. We can use any web server. For example, there is a Chrome uh, uh, localhost extension or we can use uh, any kind of web server to run our our progress will up locally and then test it that everything uh, works well. So again, if we go to the, to the um, application tab, we can see in the uh, service worker area, we can see all the information related to our service worker. So if the service worker has been correctly installed, if he's uh, running or on the other side, if something is, uh, went wrong, we will see there that the status is not uh, activated and running, but maybe as some error message. So this is a, uh, the first thing I would uh, uh, look at in order to see whether the service worker had been correctly installed and so on. Plus, in the storage section, always in the application tab, we can see what is uh, the amount of space of this page that the service worker and uh, is taking and also all the assets that we defined uh, thanks to the, our uh, caching strategies are taking on the device. Eventually, we can wipe them or we can check that the uh, Everything that we expected is indeed mm-hmm. cached locally. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if I have any other questions. Is there any other aspect of PWAs that you think we ought to dive into that we haven't yet? Oh, well, I, I could talk until tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think for this episode, uh, yeah, pretty much we covered uh, 
main topics and so on. Maybe the very, very last thing is that uh, a mention of how we can publish uh, once we implement the progressive app, if we want to publish them on the Play Store. I say Play Store or Windows Store eventually, because uh, at the moment, uh, do publishing uh, an, a PWA on the App Store is something uh, close to impossible. Uh, not impossible, but extremely hard. But if for us it's uh, still uh, good enough uh, to uh, publish a uh, our progressive app on the Play Store or the Microsoft Store, for example, we can do it very easily using tools like uh, PWA Builder, is an open source project from Microsoft, or Bubble Wrap, a command line interface. That uh, at the end of the day, both uh, tools allow us uh, to wrap our progressive app into a so-called trusted web activity. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a, a way to show or serve our web application from or from inside an Android application. So thanks to this, then we can ship and install or be published our progressive app into the Play Store. And by using these uh, two tools, so again, uh, PWA Builder and the Bubble Wrap is just a matter of a couple of clicks and settings, but uh, all the heavy, heavy lift or heavy work is done by these tools. And then we just have to uh, use this uh, APK that is uh, generated uh, for us. So with that, I think we can kind of, uh, yeah, wrap and we covered pretty much all the main uh, mm-hmm. topics around the progressive web apps. If people want to learn more about progressive web apps or ask you questions or anything like that, do you have a pro- public profile like on Twitter or LinkedIn or GitHub or something more people yeah. can go look? Yeah, on LinkedIn or in Twitter, they can always uh, DM me, so private message uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at uh, Paco underscore Ita, mm-hmm. like Italy, but maybe they can also, I don't know whether you will publish under the episode uh, some, yeah, we'll, some information. About we'll put it. those links in, oh, yeah. Then then they will be there. And uh, otherwise, they can look for my name and surname, so Francesco Leardini on, on the dev.to portal. Mm-hmm. And there also I wrote uh, different uh, articles about uh, progressive bots. But aside that, uh, another probably resource that is really great uh, to learn about is uh, web.dev learn PWA. It's a uh, web dev uh, uh, resources about the PWA and it's a great, uh, great uh, source to learn and go much deeper in progressive apps. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, we've got some links to some of your articles too. We'll make sure those wind up in the mm-hmm. show notes. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're a beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. I'll go ahead and jump in first. Picks are just, yeah, shout outs about stuff that we like, stuff that we're doing. So some of the picks that I have, I think I've picked for the last several weeks, uh, Top End Devs. Go sign up, topenddevs.com. 
what we're doing is it's funny because the way I've explained it to people has evolved as I've talked to more people about it. But effectively, what I'm finding is, is that a lot of people get stuck on kind of figuring out what the next stage of their career is. And so I'm creating com- a community to help people figure that out, right? And so if you sign up, you'll get access to Slack channel. We're setting up a forum right now. And But beyond that, we're also going to be providing weekly videos on here's how you do a thing with a thing, right? And so what I've, the reason is, is because I figured out the kind of the key things for people to do is one, you have to be involved in the community, right? And a lot of people don't have a local community or due to COVID, their local community isn't meeting up. So we're going to try and put together some meetups and not just, you know, where somebody comes and basically does a webinar. We're going to do some of that. But around that in some way or another, we're also going to give you opportunities to network with each other because that's critical. Learning just works so much better when you have other people around to bounce stuff off of, ask questions of, uh, hey, go check out my project, you know, all that stuff. So I'm working on that. Topendos.com. If you want to get me a birthday present, sign up. Um, and and I'm saying that just because uh, the pre-launch sale uh, ends on my birthday, which is December 14th. So yeah, go go check that out. Beyond that, and that's just topendevs.com. All of the subscriptions are 50% off through December 14th. And we're, you know, we're launching pieces of this as we go. We're looking for a full launch a week or two into January is kind of where we're looking. As far as the rest of the picks go, I've been doing a challenge called 75 Hard. I've done it before, and I think I've talked about it on the shows before. But 75 Hard, you do two workouts a day, uh, 45 minutes long each. One of them has to be outside. You take a progress picture of yourself every day. You drink a gallon of water every day. You gallon of water is almost four liters. What else do you do? You have to read 10 pages out of a book. You have to stick to a diet. They don't tell you which diet. Uh, you just pick a diet, stick to it. And if you cheat or break any of those other rules, um, and the last rule is no alcohol, which isn't a problem for me because I have never drunk alcohol and I never will. So yeah, giving that up was not an issue for me, but I know it is an issue for other people. To, it's like, oh, I really have to. Yeah, if you're, if you're going to do this challenge, you do. Anyway, if you mess, if you break any of those rules, you have to start over. Right. So you're trying to do it for 75 days straight. I'm on day seven this last week doing all that stuff. I lost five pounds. So just anyway, so that's two and change kilos, I think. Anyway, but yeah, it's it's been terrific and I've been feeling pretty good. So I'm going to stick to it. Incidentally, I'd kind of been flirting with in control and not in control with my diabetes and getting on this diet and sticking to it has actually gotten my numbers well within controlled range on a regular basis. So that's the other benefit of that. But yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that. So I'm going to pick 75 hard. Uh, There's a book. I haven't read it. So I'm sure it's good, but I haven't read it. I'm just going to put that out there. And then the other pick that I have, so I've been doing Insanity Max 30, which is a workout program on the Beachbody on-demand system. Now, Beachbody is the a uh, company that put out P90X. A lot, a lot more people have heard of P90X. But this is super intense, 30 minutes. Now, if you were listening, I have to do a 45-minute workout. So I usually just go and limp around the neighborhood after I'm done because I'm, you know, I'm pretty well shot at that point. But yeah, so it's a 30-minute workout. It's two or three-minute cool down. And then, yeah, I'll go walk around outside for about 12 minutes. So that's usually what that looks like. And I'm really, really loving it. And then I'm just sticking to the triathlon training. I'm doing another triathlon in April or 
March, March. So yeah, so that's the anyway, uh, that's my insane life. But I am really, really enjoying it. And then one last thing. So my my family got together for kind of a Thanksgiving ish get together a couple weeks ago, just because everybody was kind of going off to in laws houses and stuff. And so we made two turkeys, we put one in the oven and cooked it like we normally do. And then the other one I put in a brine bath and let it soak for two days and then smoked it in my smoker in my Traeger smoker. And oh my gosh, the the smoked turkey was so good. So I'm just going to give you a couple of uh, things on that. I love my Traeger. So I'm going to pick Traeger smokers. But the other pick that I have is they have Traeger has a turkey brine kit. And it's like an orange and something or other brine kit. And you just follow the directions on it. And holy cow, that is good, good meat. So I'm going to pick their turkey brine kit. And those are my picks. Francesco, what are your picks? Yeah, well, one of them is uh, very cool. And especially it would be pertinent for all the people that want to learn or to dig deeper in uh, PWS. It's called the Upscope. It's a website written in a in strange way. It's a epsco.pe and it's a kind of a gallery with a very very like a bazillion of uh, apps and all made with uh, progressive apps so this could be a very good uh, source of experience mm-hmm. for any of you that want to just uh, go and uh, try this out that's it and oh uh, i didn't know that about the uh, 75 hard i'm just looking uh, right now and it did it looks quite a uh, quite a tough challenge. it's intense yeah uh, yeah I hope uh, I I will uh, give it a try eventually, uh, but I hope uh, there won't be anything like uh, okay, don't drink coffee for a week or something like this. I'm Italian, I cannot stay without coffee. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that could be for me like killer. I uh, cannot. But yeah. uh, another pick, or for anybody that also would like to have a kind of a side uh, hobby, side to the implementing is a home barista website you can get really a lot of cool uh, information details uh, really really deep details about uh, being a home barista i recently bought uh, an espresso machine and i love it i just have to be very very diligent to stop after two maybe three espressos because yeah the coffee is uh, really strong so this would be my pick when uh, if you want to dig into the very very deep hole, rabbit hole of uh, espresso home barista then go on that uh, website homebarista.com it's it's really really nice awesome that sounds amazing i don't drink coffee but it still sounds amazing anyway well thanks for coming this was a lot of fun yeah thank you charles yeah it was great yeah i also have to say that i lived in italy for 2 years and like I said, I don't drink coffee, but the smell, like the coffee smell when you walk by some of the cafes and stuff, it's just, it's like, wow, that smells amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, indeed, indeed. yeah, I actually, uh, just to throw this out there too, I make a tiramisu, but I make it with orzo, or postum here mm-hmm. in the US, which is a roasted barley. Yeah. And it gives it kind of a similar flavor. And then you can get rum extract that's not alcoholic since I don't do alcohol or coffee. And it, you know, I mean, the rest of it, you know, the 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 ladies' fingers and the, the mascarpone cream and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, so good. Anyway, yeah. Uh, now, now I'm going to go be dreaming about it and drooling over it for the next few days. But I sure miss Italy. Anyway, we're going to wrap up. Until next time, folks, Max out. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.